You are listening to the Bondzilla Podcast. The Bondzilla Podcast is an ongoing analysis of two of cinema's longest-running franchises, James Bond and Godzilla. This week, we get a little bit of a different interpretation of some of our kaiju friends in 2001's Godzilla, Mothra, and King Ghidorah. Giant monsters all out attack. James Bond. Hello, everybody. It is time for another edition of the Bondzilla podcast. I am Nick. I'm Will. And it is time for us to continue on with our uh, Gojira series of movies. It is Gojira, you moron. It is, yes. uh, Godzilla, as it were. (laughs) Uh, Gigantic. I was going to say gigantic. Um, Did you see, um, I think it was a while back when there was that, you know how Twitter goes through its meme phases, like, and then there was the one about, like, oh, name this movie. Yeah, that stupid one. Yeah, and then... uh, It was never funny. I mean, like, I mean, I don't know, it's not, like, it's not not funny, it's just, like, a fun... You don't like internet shenanigans. No, I love internet shenanigans. It doesn't sound like, unless it's steamed hams, it sounds like you don't like like, a good meme. No, I'm a meme guy. Yeah, but I mean... I made a meme for our Twitter page. This is is what happened. It's... It takes a really clever person. Like, because, so, I would say, I understand where you're coming from, but when a meme like that happens, it's like, all right, maybe two out of, like, the 15 are good. That's, like, the one where it's, like, I like a lot more, I I do get in a lot of the Simpsons memes, but there's a lot of memes out there where I'm like, oh, it's very easy to make a great joke. Right, yeah. The, the like, oh, like, wrong answers only meme was right. very much like, oh, you could literally just say anything, and I just didn't didn't see the humor in most of it. Well, uh, I did, because, like, I there was one, and then I said it was, well, I said it was Gigantus the it Fire was a Monster. Godz- it was a shot from Godzilla. Yeah. And then you said Gigantus the Fire But I, then I said, like, the 50, the 50, the 55 version yeah. <laughs> of the movie. And it was, it was the funniest thing on the internet, like, it, ever. It blew up. Yeah. Um, there's not a Godzilla steamed hams, though. There should be. Somebody should make a Godzilla steam. What is uh? So who would it be? Who would be the two people? Would it I mean, be one, one? Would have to be. I feel Godz- like Rodan is a very Skinner ish. Yes. Like, like, is it Godzilla's coming over? <laughs> it's like. <laughs> no, it's not steamed. It's not steamed hams. It's Rodan's. <laughs> Oh, it's a, uh, oh no no no! It's a steamed Rodans. Uh, it's a uh, you know, it's a Monster Island dialect. <laughs> Good Lord, what is happening in there? Rebirth of Mothra. The rebirth of Mothra. At this time of day, at this time of year, look, <laughs> cocooned entirely in your kitchen. Yes. Can I see it? No. no. <laughs> I mean, steam. I mean, this is the whole tangent, but steam hams works because the the scene itself is inherently funny. Yes. So adding something to it just makes it kind of funnier. Um, All right. So we got steamed Rodans. Yes. Okay. Um, but yes, uh, Nick, it is the third film in the uh, Millennium series yes. uh, thus far. Uh, the and it's a long title too. Yes. Uh, <laughs> you were uh, obviously it's up at the top of the show, but you were very much uh, intimidated by this 
by this title. Yeah, that, I'm gonna have to. Have. I'm gonna have to keep the Wikipedia page open so I make sure I I don't miss a word. Well, ultimately, Nick, this was one of the. Uh, this was an edition of the canon that I was probably the most looking forward to the entire process of looking, uh, diving into the making of, um, rewatching it myself. This may stand as one of my frequently, as a Godzilla fan, revisited films, and I'll get into why in a minute. And then obviously I was like looking forward to uh, watching it again with you and then talking about it on said show. And of course, I am talking about the 2001 release of Godzilla, Mothra, and King Ghidorah. Wait for it. Giant Monsters All Out Attack. <laughs> Otherwise known as. Otherwise known uh, in its uh, abbreviated version, GMK, yeah, for cause... Godzilla, Mothra, King Ghidorah. Um, but yeah, it is known ultimately other than it's it's a very everything about this movie, as we will discuss, stands out as it being its own. Yes, like, unique very, mu- thing. very much so. And it is kind of funny that uh, this was one of the earliest things about like it's always fun. This is one of the fun things about when you get into a fandom. It's like because like you see like, you know, how people refer to different, um, you know, d- different entries and stuff. And, and so it was always fun that. This was the one that everybody and all the fans they just call it GMK, yeah. Uh, because and it's also like not a great title either. <laughs> it's like a really weird long time. I remember when I first got the, I rented the DVD of this, and I was still like, why is why is that title so like? I was like, that can't possibly be what the title is. Like maybe like the Godzilla Mothra King of Door. Maybe that's just the stylization for like the the box. Yeah. But then I looked it up. I'm like, no, that's the that's the name. Of the movie proper, but I will say it does make for a cool CGI Japanese title card. That is overlaid unnecessarily on the internet. Yeah, oh man, that that's one of those things, like, I, I love seeing that, like, I think some of the other movies, they used to do a, a thing where they would just, like, put the subtitle, like, no, right that, at the that's bottom. That's what they, most of the time it yeah. does, but at this one, it just laid, laid, completely laid it over it. Really like, ugly, too. Yeah. Like, it's like, but but it was back there, and then with that insane, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. well, well, We'll get into that. <laughs> so, um, all right, uh, Nick. So, uh, oh, and director by uh, su- uh, su- uh, yeah. Yeah. Susuke Kaneko. And this is 2001? This is a 2001 release. Okay. Um, so, let's talk about GMK. Yes, please. So, I, I'd like to know. So, Nick, last time we left off, we left off with uh, Godzilla facing off against black holes and giant dragonflies and yeah. Godzilla versus Megaguirus. Uh, Toho's second attempt at a modern millennium era uh, franchise, uh, followed by 2000, which, as we said, was a response to the 98 American disaster. I mean, you know, Godzilla film. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but as we have uh, seen with those uh, two films, uh, that Toho, while they were very much on the Godzilla is now a bankable franchise that they want to uh, that they want to utilize and pursue yeah. and pursue. Unfortunately, once again, as we've seen, and it's it's, it's kind of funny. Like what we've talked about on the show, the cyclical nature of everything that's been going on in these movies, and uh, very much in a similar way to Godzilla's initial return in the Hasey films, that we are seeing uh, Godzilla not quite capturing audiences as uh, massively. Um, as they as they would hope. So with like the 2000 um, and Megaguirus, 
Uh, both were not great box office successes, and neither one was like really critically like hailed. Like some people kind of like like two thousand a little bit, but even in like Japan, it was like very criticized. And as we said, like with two thousand, that was another attempt to get it back out to the states that you know didn't really pay off. And then you have Mega Gearus, and basically Toho is back in a position where they're saying like, oh man, like well, you know, we want to continue with this franchise but nothing we're doing is sticking thus far so it's time for toho nick to go back to the well on everything on old practices old characters just everything because they have if you remember in the hasty era in the 90s they have been well at that point in the mid 80s uh early 90s um that they have we've been it we've seen this before. right because if the beginning of the hasty era is essentially the same thing they do the godzilla reboot and then they do an original monster. Things don't hit. They bring out Ghidorah because right. Ghidorah is the star. So basically, Toho wanted to do everything that they could to hopefully ensure a success with this new to, Godzilla to in- franchise. Inject a little mm-hmm. like uh, adrenaline into the franchise, as it were. So, um, so Toho uh, turned to some new talent um, to go because, as we've seen, like there was actually some. I don't want to say, for lack of a better word, recycled talent from like the old films to Which like is some holdover talent. Yeah, I guess and, that's a good point, way of putting it. Some uh, Toho veterans, as it were. Yeah. This time, it was time to bring in some new blood and Toho turned to Suzuki Kaneko uh, as the director. Now, Kaneko had some previous credits, including some work on Japan's Ultraman series, but the biggest draw that made him such a a get was that his uh, biggest accomplishment was being responsible for the rebooted Heisei Gamera trilogy. Okay. Uh, um, And for those, we have mentioned Gamera a couple times on the show. He is basically... Uh, from a different uh, Japanese uh, studio, he's like, essentially a kaiju film franchise rival to Godzilla. In giant terms turtle. Of, yeah, he's a giant turtle that flies and fights Fight monsters. Al- fights aliens. And for some time in the Showa era, he was very much a kid-friendly uh, character, way more than God. Even though Godzilla went there ultimately, but a lot of people kind of label those er- those early Gamera films as being like very like kid Saturday morning cartoon friendly. But then friendly. He, they did have a a in around the Heisei era, right around like kind of almost the ending of No, yeah, so yeah, right uh, around the ending of the Godzilla cuz you were cuz you received these as a gift. Yes, yeah. And uh they the 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 trilogy actually went from uh 1995 to 1999. So actually the series was rebooted as uh the Heisei era for Godzilla was coming What's, to a yes, close. Yes, that's what I was saying. Um, and so that was a big get because through, for, you know, Japanese monster cinema and through fans and, you know, critical reception, the Gamera trilogy, the rebooted one in the Heisei era is considered to be just like a slam dunk. Like a lot of people consider like the third one to be the best one. After watching all three, I enjoy all three. I think the first one's the best one, but, um, you can definitely tell, especially when you watch that movie that like, all right, this guy is like a great get for it like you know so on talent wise it made sense they're bringing in this guy who well, basically I mean, yeah. re like because they're at the point now where they're like all right well they don't have a toho doesn't have a continuity with these new movies they want to bring in something that's going to be successful right. why not bring in the guy who essentially rebooted a franchise and you, you know what they're doing they're jj abrams i was it. about <laughs> to mention that god you got me i was about to make the jj abrams comparison yes oh he rebooted star trek really well let's bring him into this new star wars it, it's kind of exactly i mean what it, it is. is exactly like that well okay well you know this actually gets more abramsy too because kaneko because he likes all- lens flares 
Well, no, because much in the same way that JJ directed Star Trek and was, but was a huge Star Wars fan initially, Kaneko, and I don't know if it, it's it's an exact uh, replica, but uh, he was always a fan of Godzilla and was very eager to do a Godzilla film. Yeah. So jumped at the chance when he was asked to come on, and actually, I believe to date he is the only person to ever direct. All three, a Gamera movie, a Godzilla movie, and an episode of, and at least one episode of the Ultraman series. And, Which uh, are kind of like your your Mount Rushmore of giant costume creatures. Yeah, exactly, especially in Japan. So um, so he had been a fan of the monsters, and uh, he was actually very critical of the 98 American film, like very vocally critical. Who wasn't? <laughs> Roland uh, Emmerich wasn't, but... <laughs> So based on uh, so based off all of this previous success and his passion for the material, uh, Toho brought him on board to uh, hopefully uh, inject some success into the Godzilla. Reinvigorated fame. in this reinvigorated yeah, franchise, definitely. Um, so Kaneko, when he came on board, he had a few ideas. Um, I would hope so. Yeah, he well he did. I mean, you know, he's coming on. You know, he's always wanted to make a Godzilla film, and uh, there were a few ideas before ultimately becoming the film that we know. Uh, originally, he had wanted Godzilla to face against uh, Kamakuras, um, the giant uh, praying mantis. Uh, that was like one of his go tos that he wanted to see, but uh, he did re- he did go back on that because he didn't want to repeat an insect villain because we just had Megaguirus in the previous film. Kamakuras is a very or Kamakuras. I actually have heard people pronounce it as Kamakuras, which sounds better. Yeah, so I'm going to keep... Pr- yeah. you were go- you're going to keep saying Kamakuras? Yeah. Um, so they didn't go for that idea. The second idea was for an enemy who was an astronaut that mutated into a giant monster that would ultimately fight Godzilla in the unreleased uh, movie Godzilla vs. M, which would have been the title of it. Uh, that actually goes on the list of many unproduced Godzilla ideas because if you look it up, there is many uh examples of godzilla films that were Maybe never we made could do something that's like definitely that. a deep dive i'm looking forward to that as a deep dive is just listing all like the these were the definitive lists of all the godzilla movies yeah. that never got made but i mean which m are we talking about it's like a giant judy dench <laughs> is that what you're yeah is it judy dench is it ray fines is it robert brown who is it it's ray fines but then they have to get the original m to fight. Okay. And she goes in the Mecha Godzilla. Yes. And she helps Godzilla fight Mega M. Yes. <laughs> Mecha M. Mecha M. <laughs> or Mecha. Mecha M. Mecha M. So, uh, but one of the, this was the first instance in which, despite Toho bringing in a director to want to, uh, you know, to come in and reinvigorate this franchise, Never forget, Toho's a studio, and mm. Toho has mm. demands. Toho has oh, no, ideas. Oh, no, he got studioed. We've got, he, he, yeah, Kaneko gets studioed on this one. So one of the things was that uh, Kaneko had actually wanted an earlier uh, uh, release date in the year. Uh, I think he wanted more of like a March release date, and that's yeah. just kind of what he, I don't know exactly why, but that was like by request. But uh, Toho ultimately said, well, no, we want to push this until... Uh, to the um, into uh, uh, sorry into December for the winter, 
uh, because that's just kind of like their formula for like how they release things. And there was actually this uh, supposed adage to their formula that they said that uh, spring is for the Doraemon uh, or Doraemon um, anime series of movies, uh, which is like an anime. Oh, no, no, Doraemon, yeah. Is blue, that how you the, say it? The blue guy. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they say spring. That blue, that blue guy. <laughs> Uh, spring is for Dora, uh, Doramon, uh, summer is for Pokemon, and winter is for Godzilla. And they didn't want to change that because, you know, they get into that period of, like, well, then are their films going to start cannibalizing on each yeah. other? I mean, like, we just came off of Pokemon the movie 2000. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, like, and that was, you know, but that you had know, Articuno in it. But it's, it's, it's funny because that is something that people talk about, especially, like, with the Disney releases. Yeah. It's, like, that they have to be a little bit more careful about how they space, it space out. out their yeah. movies because, like, you know, you don't want to cannibalize your own movies. Um, even though, like, it's funny because you would think – well, it, it shows like how much would you have cannibalized on that? And also I don't am not don't know the ins and outs of like Japanese movie going, so maybe it's just like you need those like specific yeah. events, uh or, or at least what Toho thinks. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. um, that's like marketing and that stuff is is always like a a raucous debate right. about like mm-hmm. how exactly to do that. Um so uh, ultimately, Toho stood its ground and said that Godzilla is going to remain a winter movie, and it's going to be in December. And the supposed conceit and the ideas that were behind the Godzilla versus M idea were deemed a little too dark for a New Year's winter release, um, and they just felt that it just tone wise, it just wasn't going to work. Um, so hmm. Kaneko eventually, uh, with those two ideas kind of scrapped to the side, eventually landed on the idea of Godzilla facing off against three guardian monsters, which uh, makes a lot of sense given that uh, in his revival of the Gamera series, there he definitely brought in a lot of mystical elements. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not familiar with old Gamera, so I don't know how much of that is like it, is part it, of the original series. Right. But, but I mean, when... When the first movie is called Guardian of the Universe, yeah, I mean, and there's that that implies and mystic- all, mysticism, and the in the entire trilogy has a major mystical slant and background to right. it. So it made sense that you know he wanted to he ultimately landed on that. So uh, with that in mind, that was kind of the idea that he wanted to move forward on. Felt like more of a you know a mystical spiritual thing that hadn't been done in the series in a while would fit with the more winter release date. So Kaneko began uh, work on the script, and uh, and with that, the production on Godzilla, Varen, Berrigan, and Angiris, giant monsters all out attack begins. That doesn't sound right, Nick. Why would he start? That that's not the movie that was made. Wait a minute. Oh, oh, I have some. I have some more notes. I have some more notes here. So, so wait, 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 wait. Putting. So let's. So it was gonna be Varen. <laughs> uh huh. What? Is so the so yeah. So he started. Oh wait, Varen. We talked about like Varen is like one of the first ones. Like though, like it's an old old one. And wasn't it like they were gonna use it in uh, destroy all monsters? But the suit was too old. Was that Varen? Yep. Cool. I know my stuff. Yeah. Baragon obviously is is in the movie. And then Angiris is yeah. Angiris. So yeah. So that's okay. So I, Nick, why why would he start working on this movie when we're making a Mothra and King Ghidorah movie? Well, I'm about to tell you. Studioed. <laughs> he got studioed, he man. He got studioed. He totally got studioed on that one. So 
he was happy with the script. Uh, Kaneko passed it off to Toho, and ultimately, they liked the story. They liked the direction. They liked what he was doing with it, and they thought it was a good reinvention and a good direction to go. The only thing that Toho believed is like. Even with all this, they still want to guarantee a success as much as they can. And they just felt that the monsters in the movie did not have the marquee value that they that they felt was going to bring in an audience. And they wanted more familiar monsters specifically to guarantee box office draws in the past of Mothra and King Ghidorah. So that was the their biggest note was like, can you can we put Mothra and Ghidorah in this movie mm-hmm. somehow? Um, so they insisted on that, and um, Kaneko, who was a little hesitant about that, did make a compromise by replacing Varen and Angiris with Mothra and King Ghidorah, and, but also ultimately keeping his personal favorite of uh, Baragon. Baragon. And uh, actually— We have seen Baragon too, right? Baragon was also in so Destroy All Monsters. Here's, here's a thing that is interesting about this, because let's think about the last time that we've seen all of these creatures. So Varen— who who did have his own Toho movie uh, shows up I, briefly in Destroy right. All Monsters. Again, it was like it was like a black and white original Toho production. Like, yeah, early on, like in that kind of kaiju era. And right. Then they wanted to use the suit, but the suit was too ratty. He didn't, uh, and I believe it was the same with Baragon as well, where they they show up earlier in the movie of Destroy All Monsters, but they don't show up in the third act because the suits were not up to snuff. Yeah. Um, and then Angiris at this point, we haven't seen since... Since uh, he got his ass kicked in, in uh, Mechagodzilla. Yeah, that was the last time we've seen They literally Angiris. like just killed him off, essentially. Right, yeah. And um, he, well, he, he walks away, but with a broken jaw. So it's yeah. like one of those things... I remember seeing this one video online, and it was like a line with like its jaw just like hanging off mm-hmm. of its like head because it was like in a fight. And it's one of those things like it's walking around, and you know like that, that lion's dead. Like it's like there's uh, there's no lion doctor. Yeah, you're right. Like when you think about that, like you get like, when you're an animal, like if something like that happens to you, you're done. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, but yeah, so because then yeah, and then Angiris like uh, I have thoughts on this and, that and, I might say for the movie. And also remember, Angiris has they there have been multiple attempts to bring Angiris back to the big screen because uh, in Destroya there was a there was an idea of bringing a reinvented Angiris back in the Hasey era. Uh, there were some thoughts of maybe doing a version in many of the pre, in the last couple movies that we did, and it's never come to fruition. So this was well, like the next attempt Angiris to bring him back. Angiris has always been interesting, and Angiris I think is like that one like of all at, at this point of all the kind of classic toho monsters mm-hmm. like angiris is probably the most major one with that legacy cuz he was the first one that godzilla fought right that like is kind of ripe for a reinvention because yeah. like if you went, if you did to angiris what they did to rodan in uh mechagodzilla 2 right you could do something very interesting with that character yeah. like if you if you kind of found a way to kind of reinvent him like keep that core of Evgaris as being this kind of weird stegosaurus thing mm-hmm. but also finding the way to kind of do your fire rodan or, or increasing the action a little bit well it's interesting because fan wise and legacy wise like Angiris is unquestionably considered to be like oh like one of Godzilla's like main pals yeah like people like give him because, that credit because yeah, that, that's where that goes I mean like Angiris is very much like a major part of stuff like Destroy All Monsters. Mm-hmm. He's in Gigan. 
Uh, and of course, like it's and like the fact that they establish him as as a pal is what makes that first brutal fight in Mecha, the first Mecha Godzilla, so effective. Right. Because it's like usually at that point you're used to seeing Anguirus and Godzilla. But it's just funny fights. that like at this point it's been forever since oh, we've it's seen been, him it's again. It's been like 1971. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, but so, Baragon got to survive. Yeah, Baragon got to survive. Uh, with with these changes though, with getting rid of Varen and Anguirus, uh, this news actually came uh, with major disappointment from the suit designer uh, Fuyuki Shinada, um, who was very excited to work on the film because Varen was his personal favorite uh, oh. kaiju. And uh, so when he got Nick, so he did compensate by uh, when they had to do the redesign of uh, Ghidorah, that he added some uh, design elements of Varen's head to Ghidorah's uh, look. Yeah, it would have been very... I wonder how similar those stories were. Only- uh, well... I got, I got you. Because I got you I, covered. I wonder which which ones would take which roles, essentially. Well, I think here is the overall, because without getting into the specifics of the plot uh, just yet, um, this given this change, major changes had to be made uh, to the kaiju themselves. Because, frankly speaking, the story itself did not change all that much. Yeah. And there is information about what, this movie, the Varen Anguirus Baragon movie, would have been, and frankly, like all the plot elements are are pretty much the same. are pretty much the same. Like where it involves, like you know, the it's Godzilla fighting these guardian monsters, and that ultimately it would have really led to Godzilla being unstoppable. And like, there's kind of like this slight like humans coming in at the last minute to save the day. Just reading up on it, it was it's kind of the movie that we watched. Yeah. But the big thing was that. Uh, Kaneko's idea for the film was that he wanted to portray Godzilla as the all-powerful, unstoppable creature. And he thought that the way to really sell that was to pair him up and have him fight against traditionally weaker kaiju. Mm-hmm. Or, like, not as, like, you know, extravagant kaiju. Or even well-known, yeah. And he thought that, like, uh, Varen, Baragon, and Anguirus were awesome creatures, but on a power level, like, right. were yeah. not Godzilla. And he thought that that was a very organic way of doing that. Unfortunately, with the changes, uh, and they're not going to change the story, which is kind of admirable. Uh, that came with them having to basically redo the, you know, the creatures and with Mothra and King Ghidorah. And uh, given that idea, that came at the cost of uh, really having to tweak and tamper down the pa- the power level that we have seen from Mothra and King Ghidorah in the past. I mean, and also, I mean, it's it's a completely different role for King Ghidorah. Well, that that was going to be my follow up. Is like in King Ghidorah's case, they completely just change the lore, the allegiance, the entire deal right, with it. He's a you know he's a good guy in this movie. So. Mm, yeah, I mean, into. To talk about like the monsters, uh, real quick, um, like so we have Baragon, uh, who hasn't shown up, uh, you know, has had kind of like his cult following of like fans, yeah. but hasn't really shown up um, significantly in the Godzilla franchise since Destroy All Monsters. So Baragon comes back um, and uh, is really not all that much changed uh, originally in. Uh, one of the other uh, Toho films, Baragon had a beam attack that they got rid of for the purposes of this movie that they wanted to kind of like uh, uh, mitigate the power level a little bit. So Baragon is, Bar- is like, so what did you think? Because this is basically the big showcase for Baragon more so than any other movie. I mean, Baragon is kind of the show ceiling monster for me. And uh, oh, we and you have to explain who, what Baragon looks like. Since so Baragon is, is kind of he's like a digging monster. He digs in the ground. He's got kind of like flappy kind of ears. Um, 
kind of looks like a uh, Dodongo from The Legend of Zelda, but like <laughs> yes, but kind of like a little bit more like pointy. Can we can we talk about that? We have the entire animal kingdom to refer to, yet we still go back to remember those like weird monsters from The Legend of Zelda. <laughs> It's kind of like the Dodongo, but with a more of a bat face. Yeah. Like, that's kind of how it would describe it. It's got all fours, kind of reddish. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's kind of a... St- I mean, and like, I think I'll get more specifics into the into the movie about why I feel this way. Uh, but he's a, kind of a show-stealing monster mm-hmm. in the movie. I think, like, he... You know, that he, he has a very great fight with uh, Godzilla. Probably mm-hmm. the strongest part of the movie, honestly. Um, and I thought that... It was just nice and refreshing to see something a little bit different. And uh, in terms of our other monsters, as we said at the top in the movie's uh, namesake, is that we do see a, uh, for the first time in the Millennium series, a Mothra in a King Ghidorah uh, brought back in a uh, new iteration, like almost a double reinvention. So this is like the first time in this era that we're seeing these two characters, and they're also being radically different. Mothra... Not so much. Mothra kind of like maintains their I mean, role Mothra, of being Mothra like a guardian. Mothra fits into the mystical element like so much already. That right. You really don't have to do too much to that character. A uh, little bit of a redesign, uh, Mothra. Um, admittedly, uh, I have always pegged this as a I understand what they're going for and it's fine. Um, but this time, I, I would agree. They uh, Mothra sports more of a traditionally moth insect look, uh, having more of a kind of like jagged. Be, not not quite like to they I they don't lose a lot of the things you like about the Mothra design, but right. it definitely t- is taking that uh, approach of like making her look a little bit more insecty. So mm-hmm. her arms are a little bit more like claws. She has like a stinger in the thing. Right. Um, ultimately, I think that in the direction of making her more of an insect, I like kind of like what the newest King of the Monsters does a little bit more. Um, well, yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah, but um, but I I mean I I think it's fine for what they're going for in the movie. But Purely on design standpoint, it's it it works. Yeah, I mean, it's a but, great puppet though. Like oh, just the effect the look, is good. Yeah, the, the effect is really good, and I mean it just kind of builds on what we saw last time with Mothra. In, yeah, in uh, in ninety two Mothra. It's one of those things. But where, like yeah, but for design wise, like ninety two Mothra or King of the Monsters Mothra is 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 much better. But the biggest. Change the biggest departure is the complete reinvention of of King Ghidorah. Um, as a you know, spoilers everybody, but Ghidorah comes out as the good guy in this movie for the He's first the guardian time, of Earth. For the first time ever, the roles have been uh, truly reversed, and Ghidorah is now the one of the protectors of mankind, which is almost kind of weird to say. <laughs> it's one of those things where I try not to be that fan. But it almost feels weird. It like, feels it, wrong. It does. <laughs> no, it does. It 100% does. And it doesn't help that, like, I, I appreciate that. I appreciate the suit designer getting to to use his Varen dreams in this Ghidorah yeah. design. Doesn't work. But it doesn't work. It just, <laughs> no, the, it's just, the thing is, is that, like, it really is Ghidorah in name and three heads only. Mm-hmm. Like, there really isn't that kind of brutality or... Ghidorah is an agent of chaos in basically every other appearance that he has, whether it's his original appearance in the recent King of the Monsters, in Gigan, in, you know, um, the Destroyer of Monsters, basically every other appearance. He's an evil, pure evil, pure force of chaos that goes against another force of chaos in Godzilla and creates havoc. 
this one being like basically the ultimate other kaiju, which I mean, in one sense, yes, Ghidorah is probably, you know, if Mothra is the second best, probably, you know, Ghidorah is on that power level wise, right on Godzilla's tail, so to speak. Um, but also, I mean, there's, again, there's a lot of things that have to do with movie issues specifically, but it just doesn't feel like Ghidorah uh, in design or in kind of practice. Well, the one thing I'll say is because a lot of the things I have to say about Ghidorah are more plot specific. But I'll talk about like the overall – because another thing is, like again, that power level thing. So this is actually the smallest Ghidorah. It, you know, I can too. tell it's yeah. like the smallest and definitely the weakest Ghidorah. Yeah. Because it had kind of has to be. And, again, I appreciate some of the designs, but – it's hard because like and you we've talked about we're huge fans of the of the practical version of Ghidorah that they've done in previous films uh thus far but there's a scene in this movie that has the big Ghidorah rises and meets the character moment and getting a movie this year that just kind of nailed that in King of the Monsters in such like a next level way with the character of Ghidorah this this is one of those things where the the practical element just did not do this any favors. Yeah, but it's the, also like even not like I, it's hard to like even rise up to like how perfect that CG fits with Ghidorah. Sure, like, it does. Sure, it yeah. does hard. That. But I got. But admit, also, like, I got to call out because like whereas I don't necessarily have that problem with the other kaiju in the movie that the design it just it doesn't quite land. Yeah, they they kind of go for this. They definitely they don't kidify the face, but they definitely soften yes. the like the look of Ghidorah. And I mean, just like in comparison to like the the classic Ghidorah from like the original Ghidra, mm-hmm. or even the the ninety one Ghidorah, right? Like, exactly. This is, it's yeah. just, it just pales in comparison to both of those designs. Mm-hmm. It really just does. Yeah, but ultimately, it's very similar. It's the three, and I also found like the design. Was also because like even like the way that the heads were on there like that the like clearly like this was one of those where I think that they designed it in a way where like the guy's two other arms yeah are the other heads but it was just like it kind of felt like like short and stocky and stumpy and not it just wasn't as effective like the entire design I thought just wasn't quite there and I I got what they were going for but. It didn't, which is weird because they went with the more softer approach with Ghidorah, but the more kind of like warrior approach with Mothra, and yeah, it was just it was just kind of weird in a, in a way that I guess works for the story, but didn't necessarily pay off for me. But that's just kind of my overall thoughts on um, Ghidorah and design wise. Um, but design wise, uh, we do see a, a new Godzilla in this film, a new Godzilla, and this will be the first time that Godzilla is going to be sporting a different look. A radically different look in the Millennium series because, as we remember, 2000 and Megaguirus had essentially the same Godzilla design with a few tweaks, and this is like the biggest uh, tweak in this one. So, when they initially uh, were thinking about redesigning Godzilla in this movie, they uh, had planned for him to sport a more parallel to the ground lizard dinosaur look, similar to Zilla from the 19 uh, from the um, 98 American film. Because uh, they thought that like a creature that looked like that was just going to be able to more dynamically fight with the uh, at this point the because this was back during the Varen Baragon and Giras phase of right. the movie, and they just thought that with all of his foes being 
essentially quadrupedal animals that they thought that him being more of like a dinosaur would have just been a better choice dynamically. But ultimately, uh, they went back against that and went for a more traditional design. Um, with uh, they wanted to, they brought in a different suit performer so he could be a little bit taller. Uh, but they still made some big uh, design changes uh, with, like, the, the body and the head, making him a little bit more uh, consistent with the original design of the 1954 films. And probably the most iconic aspect of this Godzilla is the blank white eyes, which is the ultimate, like, trademark of the GMK Godzilla. Yeah, it's... Oh, you have thoughts. You have thoughts about this? I would really like the design if it weren't for the eyes. Really? Yeah. On it. Oh wow! What makes you say that? That's so interesting. It just looked off. It just. Real? It okay. just to me, right. it like looked like it just. It looked like they were. I guess to me, it looked like they were trying too hard to like. Make really, because I think we should also like just to, for the sake of this conversation. Godzilla is straight up villainous in this yeah. movie, and that's what I kind of felt with that design. Yeah. I just felt with the like the the pupilless eyes. Mm. That, like, it just felt they were trying so hard to be like, oh, he's evil, or, like, he's the bad guy. Mm. And it just, it, it was just distracting. I was just, like, I, because there was a point where I was like, oh, like, why are his eyes so white? And then I was like, oh, he just, those are, that's the design choice. Right, right. And it's That's just, interesting. I, I, I will, I will go back up against that a little bit where I, I will say that that is probably the one distinct feature that I do dig about the design. In, in the sense of, like, to kind of distinguish it apart from the from the I mean, other I get it, and I also get it because of what this movie is mm. and how kind of different it presents everything, including kind of the Godzilla, like how that works. Um, it's just like I just it just didn't grab me. The, well, I'll be honest, I have mixed feelings about this Godzilla design. I think it looks great sometimes. Mm-hmm. I think it looks amazing, like like chest up like i i dig like the head sculpt and the look of it everything the design but the design kind of has this like weird like like beer belly grandpa like just trouncing around town that like doesn't quite work yeah i can see that and he and he's just kind of like lumbering around which is kind of like tonally off from like what they're going for so anytime it would it's like a lot and i should be but from a suit performance work and like the practical work with like the sets and everything. And like when he has to like knock down a building or he's marching through like a city street, all that is great stuff. But I always, there's a lot of times in this movie when it's like, you just see like the overall kind of like body build of it, that it it just doesn't quite work with me. So the suit isn't a hundred percent with me there. It's one of those things where I'm like, that's a great shot. That's a great shot. It looks great there. But other times, yeah, there are times "Eh." where it's like, if it's like, you're kind of right, where if it's like kind of a far away but chest up, I think I can kind of dig it. But it's just like the real close ups with the eyes. You you don't love the the eyes. I'm not the eyes. And I I agree with you that full body shots, sometimes it really doesn't. He just got this weird, like, (laughs) gut. Yeah. Like, and it's just like, it's so. Little bottom heavy. Yeah, and you know, I don't mean to body shame Godzilla, but it's just it's more so the way that he moves around. Cause he's like kind of like jaunting around with his arms like like he's like power, like he's like kind of like a guy with a gut like power walking. It's like I don't uh, mm-hmm. it, it it just it didn't it didn't quite uh land for me. Um so uh so that's it with our monsters. So 
No Anguirus, no Varen, Baragon remains, and we have a reinvented Mothra and uh, Ghidorah up at bat. Um, a Godzilla who not only sports a different look, but takes on more spiritual uh, origins Indeed. in this one, or influences in this one, as the whole as the whole film does. Um, and um, so, ultimately, with all that said, um, it should be noted though that the um, Angiris, uh, Varen Baragon element of the film is still also another one of those famous like movies that never got made amongst the Godzilla fandom and is actually one of those original conceits that kind of remains in the zeitgeist of the, the Godzilla legacy uh, in the um, animated prequel or in the prequel book for the anime series. Um, which detailed all the stuff that led up to the events of the anime series that just came out uh, in the past couple of years. Uh, there is an incident in one of those books that says Godzilla in at the same time fights Varen, Baragon, and Anguirus uh, in his like conquest of Earth, and that's their little nod to that original Kaneko conceit. Um, so, but with all that said, um, you know. Kaneko got studioed on this he one. He got studioed. He got as studioed on this one, but uh, there was some compromise made. But ultimately, I think it's interesting to always point out that uh, other than the character, other than the monster choices, essentially made the same movie that he set out to make. Yeah. And uh, with that said, uh, I think it's time to get in there. But there is one more fun fact um, that is should never be forgotten about this movie. Nick, this movie came out in 2001. So when in the movie does this take place? 2002 yeah of course dude <laughs> always takes place the same year or the ne- the following year uh but uh but we're not talking about it in 2002 we're talking about it in 2019 right now as we talk about gmk yeah shall we get into it yeah artillery shells can do nothing to stop it this animal has survived for eons. Atomic weapons and energy have given it extraordinary capacities for survival. But it's still an animal, and it can still be defeated. This animal contains the restless souls of the countless people who perished during the terrible battles that took place during the Pacific Conflict. Why does it want to destroy us? Because the Japanese people want to forget what happened. What? They've deemed it preferable to forget the pain and the agony they inflicted on all those people. We're back to talk about uh, Godzilla, Mothra, King Ghidorah. All out giants. Oh, the giant comes first. Yeah, giant uh, yeah. monsters all out giant attack. Giant monsters all out attack. Why is this movie called this? Why? Why is the movie called this? Very. Yeah, because like I said, uh, the last time we had all monsters in attack in the same title, <laughs> it did not turn out well. So, did this movie fare any better? Well, here's how I want to start out real quick. Um, so the reason I'm the most interested in this movie and talking about this movie. And this is kind of getting a little bit of head to an aftermath thing. But this is, in some ways, considered, I would say, the divisive Godzilla movie that tends to ultimately be that fan favorite kind of thing where there are some people. Like, obviously, there's some detractors. But it does have that thing where I think, like, you will find a lot of Godzilla films, like, kind of, like, labeling this as the, um, like, one of the standouts 
Um, a lot of people consider this to be one of the best, if not the best, of the Millennium series. Um, I have you've heard me because you this is the first time you've seen the movie. Yes, and you have heard me say many a times that I one hundred percent give the movie the credit for it gets the it did it did it a different thing. Mm-hmm. So it gets those points. Yeah. It gets the it did a different thing points. But if you also know me, that only goes but so far. Yeah. I, I, you know, I am in that. I have the hot take of, you know, I, I don't mind you sticking to a quote unquote formula or the familiar as long as you do it extraordinarily well. Right. As a, I'm not the. Sometimes I'm a swing and a miss guy, but a swing and I don't. I don't like idolize the swing and the miss as much as most. Right, other you're you're do. not the interesting failure type of dude. Yeah, like some sometimes sometimes it works, but it, it has to work more so than it doesn't yeah. in, in this case. Um, so I think I'll start out by saying that I've I honestly have had a bit of I, so many conflicting feelings about this you, movie. You sound very like conflicted. Like just the voice is like there's so much in your head right now. Here's what I'll say. Let's let's get the therapy session about this movie out of the way. It feels like that's what we need right so now. So I know my rankings for these movies, and let me tell you where this movie ranks. This movie is the movie that sits distinctly between it's the transition point between the movies I like and the movies I don't love. And I think that there are some very good ideas in the movie. And I think in terms of the direction of the reinvention uh, are all good. I like all the, the ideas and the creativeness behind it, I think is in the right place. And I think that there are a couple moments in the film where it hones in onto an idea that I would say like, oh, that's a Godzilla all timer in terms of like somebody bringing something new mm-hmm. uh, to, to the franchise. Um, so I, I like all that. I think it may also be one of the only Godzilla films where I may like the human stuff more than the monster stuff at times. Um, even though like I still have some conflicted feelings about that, but a lot of that stuff stands out to me more so than the monster stuff in this movie. Um, so I do like all of that. And I also want to mitigate certain nerd feelings. Like I, I don't want to get caught up in the like, well, Ghidorah shouldn't be a, a villain. Yeah, no, like, I feel that. Yeah, and while I do have some of those feelings, I did find myself thinking like, you know, I do, I do find that other than this movie going in the different direction, that there's almost times when I don't feel like it ever comes together as like a big good lasting piece other than presenting like this is the new direction or here's how we reinvented it and then and then that's it and i also found my myself like very conflicted about the how it practically executed a lot of its themes and ideas in in, in ways that like there are times when I really felt uncomfortable with at times like the movie being like mean and yes, I do think that, and I don't mean to speak on the behalf of other people, but I do think it people give it way more of that credit just for being different. And I hate to put that label on it, but I do kind of feel like it has that thing where it's like, yeah, it's different. I get it. But like, it's not, it doesn't home run for me. Uh, so I'm I'm interested to you know I know like that's probably a lot of me rambling and not saying anything but uh, hopefully something comes out of that and we'll get into specifics. But Nick, what what did you ultimately think of the film? You feel better? Uh, no, better. not really. 
<laughs> Tell us how you really feel. Uh, um, you put it very brilliantly when we first started watching the movie, in that this movie makes some choices. <laughs> it makes some choices. Yeah, in, in that way, it makes it makes yeah, choices. Yeah, and I don't want to say like it makes a. It's not like a like it makes choices. Like it's not like a Casino Royale sixties. Oh, that made choices. Yeah, <laughs> but like this, this definitely you got to give him credit. The Kaneko came in with his idea, and then right. they executed that. And vision. it sticks to them at most of the time. Some points, you know, kind of. Yeah. Um. I. This was a movie that I just I'm watching it, and I just it's one of those things where I simul. It's kind of like you, I I get it. Mm-hmm. But I don't get it, mm-hmm. if you know what I mean. Like, it's not like I've like I'm not. Conf- it's not that I'm like confused as to what's happening because the movie makes it very clear. But it's almost just like the like why. Like it's just there's a lot of that why right. this mm-hmm. why that why deci- deciding this movie. Now, there's a lot that I feel about the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, Honestly, the first thing I want to say is that if it had been the original three monsters, I would have been totally more into this. I mm-hmm. think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because this is a move. This is another just example of just you're putting Mothra and Ghidorah in there essentially for the name. It really feels that way because they don't really do anything. Yeah, like and and because the original intention being that they weren't really going to do anything, and they and, that's and they don't I, show up until fairly late into the movie. And like Baragon stands out because he is unique. He is different. He's not something that we've seen. So that fight feels a little bit more fresh whereas like again like again we i know we binge these movies so we're watching them and it's such a close comparison right but it's it's we're just months removed from watching a much better mothra movie and a much better Ghidorah movie uh in two better Ghidorah movies and two better mothra movies to be quite honest with you mm-hmm. uh, with the recent releases um i also just felt that like y- you're a hundred percent on where the movie feels mean a lot of times. Mm-hmm. And especially it feels mean to specific... It feels like... And I don't know if this was Kinerkel's in, intention. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I could be... you know, I don't want to really speak for him. But it really felt like it was very mean to very specific, youthful types of people. Mm-hmm. You, you, with the whole kind of thematics of being like, these people don't remember or don't care. Yeah, and yeah, it yeah. just feels like... There's a better way to do that because there is a very fine line between being dark and being mean. Mm-hmm. And I like Hedora is a really good example of being dark because mm-hmm. for all that movie's faults, when Hedora is going on his major killing spree and they're like this many people died and you people are melting, mm-hmm. it's like shocking and dark, but it never it never really feels. Mean, mean or targeted it, it, yeah. targeted yes that's mm-hmm. the really word because what ends up happening in this movie a lot of times is that you really get into like it feels like personal attacks sometimes mm-hmm. where it's just like you 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 stick with characters and you kind of get personalities and then they're just dispatched well and, and then also and, to keep it like you know specific and that we're talking about it as a movie I did find tone to be a problem in this movie. Yeah, no, it, 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 and that's where it really is. It's like you can't really have fun, but it's also not good enough to be like, oh, this is a serious dramatic movie. It's no, just, because it at does, times it's not. Exactly. It, yeah. But it's like the times where it wants to be like – because, again, it's just like Godzilla. 
more so than not any other Godzilla movie, this is a movie where it feels like Godzilla is killing people. Mm-hmm. Like, you kind of get that in 54, but 54 is so weighted on that history and the emotion of Japan in that time period. Mm-hmm. Where when you're trying to reflect on it, 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 it when you don't hit it all the time, which mm-hmm. it doesn't, it doesn't hit that thematics of we need to remember this past, we need to remember the, the atomic bombs, we need to remember our... our our bad ways in World War Two. We yeah. need to remember that aspect, and people are forgetting it, or people are choosing to ignore it, and they use that Godzilla as that kind of, you know, that metaphor. But this one, it just that doesn't have that weightedness and that connectedness that it had that original has. So when you do that stuff where Godzilla is just mass murdering people, mm-hmm. and you're like, kids are watching atomic bombs, it just feels more off. It feels more tone deaf than anything else. Well, it's in because some ways. like, and again. Because the one thing I will give the movie the credit for is that it's very specifically about something. It's it's a very specific. It does not beat around the bush about its themes. Yeah, and which I actually, I, which I think is does hurt it sometimes. Um. So ultimately, the movie is another uh, reset. Um. With 1954 being the only film in canon. So it's Godzilla attacked in 54. Yeah. Which in this one they say that they thought that they had defeated him. Yes. Yeah, and they're not they're not specific about the uh, how that happened. But the 1954 events seemingly happened the way that we remember them from the yeah. movie. And then basically it's like, we thought we defeated Godzilla, but we always knew there was a chance that either Godzilla or something like it could appear again someday. Right. Mm-hmm. So there's this big kind of Godzilla defense force um, that basically is kind of, it's kind of implied that you know they basically don't get the budget anymore because everybody's getting forgotten about right. Godzilla. Yeah. Uh, essentially, there's different things that happen um, that cause there's belief that Godzilla could be back, mm-hmm. um, and then uh, other monsters rise. Right. So Go- ultimately, Godzilla does return, and he's wreaking havoc on on uh, Japan. on Japan. And uh, he is uh, going to come into contact with three guardians of uh, of Earth, of Earth uh, who will rise up uh, in some cases prematurely uh, to stop this Godzilla. At who, as we get into the ultimate bigger ideas of the movie, uh, is insinuated to be a spiritual resurrection who is fueled by the angry, vengeful spirits of all the Japanese souls that were lost during World War II. And it gets into the bigger idea of the movie, that the movie is presenting this notion of it's it's that thing that we've seen in Godzilla films where it's the sins of the past and everything yeah. coming back. And in this time it manifests in that way of of the modern day uh the modern day people uh being either dismissive or forgetful of all the, you know, atrocities, the atrocities uh of the past and not being as respectful as they can. In some ways the movie is very on the nose about that by having uh, youths uh, going into like villages and uh, you know uh, you know defacing uh, like uh, um, uh, what do you call them like um, Sa- like yeah like statues and temples and stuff um, in other uh, various ways like people either like think like ah Godzilla that was just a myth that like that like never happened or like people like being like more I mean. I will admit, like, there are times when there there were some, like, clever elements of, like, maintaining that theme. Like, so when there's, like, a big giant fight, like, there's these two idiots in a helicopter treating it as if it's, like, a wrestling match. And they're just like, oh, now Baragon is down for the count. And, like, 
so like they're kind of like so in that way they're like all right well these two people they're just like treating it frivolously like a big like like monster mash or like um like oh it's like oh it's a monster there's no problem with the monster let's take a picture of the monster so they do things like that so um to its benefit and detriment it does maintain that consistency of ideas throughout so yeah so that that was ultimately the big idea of what's going on in the film yeah and uh doesn't always work it just doesn't yeah i mean it's just like because the i think to me a big difference is as opposed to emphasizing destruction of like buildings Mm -hmm. and stuff like that it does more emphasize on the destruction of people Mm -hmm. and again like I get what I, it does maintain that consistency, but too often than not, I just my thought was that person did not deserve that. This mm-hmm. person, you know, but I think he, that is, I believe, the point it's going for. Though. I know, but yeah. it's just like it doesn't make for me at least. It does not make for an enjoyable movie mm-hmm. when I'm constantly being like, like, listen, there's the two idiots in the helicopter commenting like a wrestling match, right? Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, they they're mercilessly, mercilessly and you know, frivolously just destroyed by like a stray Godzilla beam I think or, mm-hmm. or something like that. Uh, I think he throws Baragon. He bar- yeah, no, yeah, that's right. Yeah. He throws Baragon. But to me it just doesn't capture what I personally enjoy about the Godzilla movies. Mm. And so it's hard for me to kind of get into that when I mean the most egreg- I just want to get to this. The most egregious of which is the girl in the hospital. Oh, yeah, I knew you were going to say this one, yeah. Because like there's cuz that's basically the number one moment where it's kind of telling the movie's telling you this is what this is. Yeah. Is that because and ultimately, like she was, she they were in a house before, right? We see her before. No, no. So this, I, I believe, like this girl was just, she was just like she her her leg is broken and she's in a hospital, so she's kind of like bed, she's like bed right. bound, and she sees Godzilla like come to the window, and it's one of those like, oh my god, Godzilla's gonna kill her, and then she he just walks by the window because. We have known Godzilla as just being kind of like a lumbering, just destroys yeah. things, at, not just destroying things to destroy things. In fact, in the previous Godzilla films, Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla is like they make that distinction that says like this Godzilla seems off because he's just going around and targeting buildings. Like that's not really what Godzilla does. Right, he just walks. So there's know. a precedent for that. So then as he walks by, the girl's like, "Oh my god, I survived!" And then the tail comes in to to yeah. whack it. And I don't know if there is this juxtaposition of like the the morbid humor because this is where the tone thing got yes. to me yeah because at times the performances at times are so enormous and so cartoonish that I kind of will give the credit for the point of like Kaneko's trying to show humanity as kind of like foolish and yeah. like and he's trying to show them as like we're we're feeble we're we're insects we're ants like we're yeah. and we're just like we're just like oh my god like it's funny because for the first time ever i felt watching this movie that i was seeing the cliche of the japanese people running around and being like it's godzilla oh no right and, and, yeah yeah because that's and that's another thing that yeah. like you see like gold member and stuff like that's that's like the cliche about it but, but I, like, I don't this was the first movie i saw where i'm like oh like yeah that is what this feels like i just never have felt like it was as quite as like enormous or like specific of like a oh no it's it's yeah it's godzilla and like the big screams and everything which is fine 
but it's in this movie that's otherwise doing like this kind of like it's trying to like do this serious thing at least it feels like and then oh my god and then i gotta get this out of the way and then it's just like it, it it's just it's just written with this hit and miss score of this like video gamey like 80s early 90s music sometimes it sounds like a soundtrack from shadow of the colossus which is sometimes okay but like i mean like the first the first uh the title card when it was just like, oh my god, what is that? And then like the title card shows in, and then there's like this electronical. I'm like, what? What happened? And it's like this is like a movie about like spiritual creatures, and the it's about the atrocity, yeah. not forgetting the atrocities of war. Why does it have such this yeah. like cartoonish like sound? Sound? I was not yeah, on board right, with the right. soundtrack and, at and all. It really is like the movie's just all over the place in terms of that, and with that kind of meanness feeling, and with you know. It just, it just is hard for me to just get into it. Well, it's a two sided thing for me. So I will admit, I am into, and and I thought like it was the refreshing take of having this one movie where he is completely villainous. Because I was ultimately on the side of like I like that element of it. I like that we have this one iteration that is a completely villainous Godzilla. The problem is, is that I never got connected to the opposite side of that. Yeah. Like essentially, like. Because in many ways, this is this takes an Infinity War style approach where the star of the movie is your villain. Yeah. And that's fine. And that works. I mean, creature and monster movies do it all the time. But you also your plot by design has your hero monsters, too. And Berrigan is cool. And Berrigan is like is given the more intimate amount of time that you do feel for the creature. But I never found myself like I mean, again, when Thanos was your villain and slash focus of the movie, you still love the Guardians. You still love the Avengers. You still love Tony Stark. You, but the point is, I'm trying to say, like, you're invested in the heroes yeah. trying to stop him. Mm-hmm. And I never felt invested in the con. In a way, I, I, I guess I just never felt invested in the conflict of having to stop it, this Godzilla. Y- you know what? You're c- completely right. Because for me, what it is, is that Baragon has the most interesting fight for a couple reasons. Yeah. One is that he's fresh. It's something we haven't seen before. So you get to see those little dynamics. Mm-hmm. Two, that fight happens to also be just by happenstance the most dynamic fight in the film. Yes. The most energetic fight in the film. Right. But three is that you do present, especially as that fight goes on, you do present Baragon as an underdog. Mm-hmm. And you kind of do get on the Baragon side of things a little bit in that fight. But then but by the it's almost too soon that you get into that because then Baragon just gets his head stomped in. Essentially yeah, killed. I almost I, you're right, because that scene is the closest you get to be like, oh, shit, Godzilla is the villain and you feel for the creature. And I just fe- felt like when you get to the end of it, my feeling is like, oh, it's cool seeing Mothra again. Yeah. Oh, that's a weird version but of Ghidorah. But also, again, like it's it's a movie where Mothra and Ghidorah don't really get to do much. Mm-hmm. They they their power levels have to be decreased for the purposes of this plot and mm-hmm. the purposes of showing off this Godzilla. So yeah, Mothra has some cool things, like but Ghidorah is just kind of even like the Ghidorah like. You never really get that like, oh, here's the big moment. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of like, yeah, like the big moment is. Ghidorah becoming King Ghidorah, which mm-hmm. is a major element of the plot. But even that, like, 
that all happens so kind of fast even too that you never really feel that impact and then all of a sudden Ghidorah is defeated again. Right. Like there's never really a sense of and I get again you say that is what they're going for and that's fine but it just doesn't you're right it doesn't really get you invested in that conflict because there's really no impact into kind of that raising stakes. And then as the movie's going on you don't really get that camaraderie between by the way i will say this and i know this may be a hot take to some of godzilla fans and this will actually come up a little bit in the aftermath uh this year's king of the monsters is a better version of this movie um in some ways in which it's like a movie that is like using the monsters to be an allegory for either spiritual or bigger ideas Uh, there's actually some uh, like plot points in that but the reason i bring that up now is like that's a movie this year's king of the monsters is a movie that by the time you get to the third act you are buying the humans working with the ally monster with the enemy monster yeah or against the enemy monster this movie ultimately sides on that idea that like the guardian monsters and the humans are on the same side and deserve respect for each other but during the conflict you never feel the unity you never feel the right. allyship because of them. you're right and I, we're gonna start probably talk about like where the human stuff lies because mm-hmm. i think that really does also dynamic into that into the monster stuff but i also feel that you're completely right in the sense that it feels like that movie's leading up to that, mm-hmm. but then again, the third act is kind of so disconnected from that right. because then it turns into the traditional okay, the military thing, and also like especially when and here is here is where I felt the most uncomfortable with just like the ideas of this movie and how it presented them. So like the ultimate idea, and and, that, and this is where like I have a roller coaster because like it touched on something that I thought was the best part of the movie that they straight up say that the whole reason this is going on is because you know we've forgotten the atrocities and the people who've lost their lives in world in in um in world war ii and there's one specific element that i thought was probably the best realization of that in the movie and the idea of the movie was that at one point our main general character goes to like somebody higher up in the government and they're like He's like, all right, what's the deal? Like, what, like, what's the deal with this Godzilla? What's going on? And essentially, what he reveals is that the 1954 events happened the way that we know them from the movie, where a scientist—they don't talk to him by name, they don't mention the oxygen destroyer by name—basically made a, a, a chemical weapon that killed Godzilla. And they have no idea how to replicate it. And they—they they don't know how to replicate it. But the biggest point of that was that. They didn't tell anybody that in the public because that would have made Japan and the military look bad. And that was kind of the whole conceit why nobody ever knew about that. Because they're like, if they, if the people knew that we defeated the Godzilla by some unknown scientist by stuff that we can't replicate, then our power as a nation will be laughed at. And then, so, and I thought that was the most interesting manifestation of that idea of you know our own political and societal um bias. ego and ego bias, and bias yeah. um and that was ultimately i think the big reveal of like that's what we're being punished for so i liked that and i liked that idea conversely where i started feeling a lot uncomfortable with it and listen i get it people get mad at military stuff and the militaries in general of like any country and whatnot but I am one of those people, personally, and we're kind of getting a little political here, but like I'm one of those people where I do I don't mind the the sins of the past coming back to haunt and all that stuff. 
And in the same way with that lady in the uh, hospital, I felt very uncomfortable where it's like, and I get it that Kaneko is very anti-war, but I also don't believe in that, like, just random people should just suffer. <laughs> That's for really what it is. Things that they had nothing to do with just because, like, they're not quite as reverent for it. And the most I felt uncomfortable was, like, there, there's the moment when the military, they try to do the big G-force attack on Godzilla with, like, the drills and the body, which was also, like, a weird plot point because there was, like, this thing where the government didn't want to give the go-ahead to the G-team or whatever because, like, for... Budget reasons. For, but, but it's, like... There's a Godzilla, dude. Like, like there's a monster right there. Well, you know, it's like they, it's all, they do all the traditional like government things where it's like, oh, like the cabinet needs to decide, and like we have we can't do anything until we confirm. And people are like, we got to act now. But it's like, well, there's there's one Godzilla here and another Godzilla there. We don't know what's going right, on. Right, but it's like at the point when they confirm that there's like multiple monsters now, and it's like, dude, like now what's the reason? Yeah. Like, what, so there's like a bit of a plot thing like that. But there's the moment when they try to like shoot the drills into Godzilla, and then that doesn't. Work and Godzilla just blows them all away but it's kind of like dealt with like there's like the close-up on the soldiers where it's like all right well now they're accepting their fate as like you know because like Godzilla is like this uh manifestation of the horrors of war and now they're being like they're paying for that and I don't mind that as a grander dark conceit but I and again maybe I'm reading too much into it but I felt well real quick I just I just felt like that the movie ultimately kind of felt like this stance of like, yep, they're getting theirs, and I'm like, that, that that's really what it is. I don't because uh, like it's one of it's one thing like, and it really still doesn't work. But it's one thing when it's like weirdo motorcycle gangs that are terrorizing people, exactly, yeah, or if it's like these shitty teenagers that are like gonna kill a dog, right, right. Which like here's the thing, like. There's a part of me that I that that makes more sense, but again, it also feels like it's more so like, oh, look at all these kids being jerks, and they get the be get to be killed by. Yeah, but it's an e- it definitely is an easier pill to swallow. It's a little bit easier, but it still feels. Wrong. I mean, they it's, were gonna kill that dog though. They were. The, yeah. The dog kids are fine. <laughs> the, the motorcycle guys, they were kind of being assholes, but, like, again, they really didn't do anything. They just kind of rode around that guy's car and then were, like, you know, kind of playing with the truck driver. But the truck driver seemed like he was being safe. And, like, right. I was like – but it's just – but there's also it's, – it's not even, like, the way that it's done, right? Because the other thing about it is that you could do, like, those same two things, those same two aspects – in a Friday the 13th movie. Sure. And there's a little bit more of that fun to that mm. where that works. When you're giving these really heavy stakes and these really heavy themes, you just got to be careful with how you present That's it. That's true because the movie is very clear about like this is what it's saying. So yeah. when it makes those right. decisions, even the, it comes with more context. The military thing at the end where basically Godzilla kills off 90% of the military forces in the area in one fell swoop. Yeah. Like, within, like, 10 seconds. And it's one of those things where, again, in theory, that's that's a fine way to show your themes, where it's like, oh, you, you know, the horrors of war and all that sort of stuff. But just the way it's shot and the way that it's presented is just so straight mm-hmm. that... Because when you go dark, the best way to go dark is kind of that darkish humor. Mm-hmm. Because... 
if you go really dark without that kind of palatable of just like kind of that uncomfortable laughter, mm-hmm. it just feels really sad and mm-hmm. really and really mean. And like that's what kind of this kind of felt like, where it's like you need that twinge of like the humor because when you just kill off ninety percent of the military forces in just that swoop. It's but just, it's it also just, the filmmaking just, behind it. Like they and, do and, no, present and, it in a way where it's like, here's the big close up where they tried to attack him and it didn't work. And this movie has just shown that like Godzilla's here to make us pay for all right. of his stuff. And so, this is like, yeah. he, but then he's just like, it's also like Godzilla just shoots you know atomic breath and it you know all the military are in the top of a building, and then it's like, and then he also he's like, oh my friend was in there, and it's just like. It just it just feels wrong. Yeah. It just does not feel like how the proper way to present this. And it would have been a much more it, like honestly, if this was just a much more, uh, you know, for lack of a better word, dark movie. Yeah. If this was just more of an earnest drama version of it, like eventually we'll get to Shin Godzilla, which is much more like that. Or honestly, if it was much more in the vein of Fifty Four, yeah. where it's like you have these mystical elements, but ultimately it's a more earnest movie. You could have gotten away with it, I would argue, then. Yeah. It just felt like that was just again. It was just cruel for mm. the sake of being cruel. I I'm a little bit more forgiving of that, but I get where you're coming from. I just like, but it was one of those cases where it's like I did get the the one I did find funny was like, and again, I don't think it ultimately worked tonally, and I think it's a problem with the movie. But the one joke that did make me laugh was like, oh, there's a monster over there. Here, let, let's let's take a quick picture that and is, then we'll run. That is funny. <laughs> but and it, also it, purely Japanese. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, yeah. Well, yeah, it, it, that one was. See that was the one that was humorous, and if it was like a li- like if there was a little bit more of that, because that's exactly the type of light darkness that you need. Mm-hmm. Because if that had been present in these other sequences, mm-hmm. like I think it would have been more palatable. But like when you have a woman in a hospital bed who cannot move, who's like you know fears that she's about to die, gets that breath that she doesn't, and then you know right. again like in a Jason movie that could work, right? Because Again, there's the craziness of this, you know, hockey mask killer and, and kind of the goofiness of those movies where that's kind of what that horror movie is. But in this movie, it just feels off. Mm-hmm. It just feels wrong to me. Yeah. But we do have... Well, yeah, what were you going to talk about the human plot line? Well, we do we do have a main he- mainline human plot line because mm-hmm. we've been talking about all these kind of tangents that the movies goes on. But there's basically... It's a father-daughter combo. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have... This is actually getting into one of the things I liked about the movie. Uh, yes, and yeah. I, we will talk about this. Um, so you basically have a father and daughter. You have a father who is a you know, high-ranking official in this sort of Godzilla force in the military. Who is also a kid during the events yes, of the 1954 who, film. Who, he's someone who will never forget, and that's one of the points the movie makes, because he directly remembers the original attack, and he lost his parents in that attack, and it's it's a very haunting memory for him. And he has a daughter who's essentially a She's essentially a filmmaker or like a personality for kind of a low budget kind of science fiction company that like a dingy production studio. Dingy production studio who focuses on making these kind of fake documentaries. Mm-hmm. Who over the course of the movie decides to really do something with her skills and become a real journalist and report on this right. all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um there's a couple things I liked about this. And some things I wish were in a movie a little bit more. There's a scene early on, you know, kind of when all these plot machinations are happening where, you know, the first kind of like rumblings of what ends up being Baragon happen, the motorcycle people die and all this sort of stuff. And, you know, the girl, the daughter and her kind of production buddy are out and they're kind of discussing this. And then the production buddy brings 
her home drunk. Right. Like she's drunk. She brings home to the father. So you have the kind of sequence where, you know, the father's kind of taking in her drunk daughter, and then the next morning you kind of have their little kind of playful, like, Oh, banter. their whole dynamic, I thought, was really good. Their dynamic is great. It's just they're so little – they're so separated for, like, most of the it's movie. It's actually – but I I will say this, though. Like, throughout the movie, like, whenever they would have a moment together because their chemistry and their dynamic was so strong – that that track throughout the movie, but yes. it is kind of odd to like really go back and look at how little time they spend. Yeah, because together that in the movie. is some of the best stuff and the best character stuff yes, throughout I the agree. movie. And you just feel like there would be a more interesting movie if there was a little bit more of a dynamic team up between the two. Because really, what happens is that they just keep separated. You know, Daddy is trying to convince the military and and the government to like we got to go in on Godzilla. Meanwhile, the yeah, but I found that. He was still kind of a slave to the plot, though, because he's just really standing around to basically so the audience sees a guy yes. who's trying to do the right thing get rejected. Yes. And I'm just like, okay, I get it. Like, yeah, no, I get it. Made, like, that's the thing, too, where it's like there are certain points where because they're separated, they don't have much to do. Whereas mm. I feel like teaming up this like kind of budding journalist who's trying to convince her dad of these guardian monsters and trying to prove it to him. Right. And a dad who's trying his best to kind of, you know, go between sort of convincing the government to go on on this and like the heaviness that he has in doing so. Right. Would have been, it's like all that's there. It's just like, it's just not there enough. Mm -hmm. Um, But I did, I really like them a lot uh, together. Together. They're great. Uh, And their moments, the few moments they have throughout the movie together are the, are the real highlights other than Godzilla throwing Baragon. Mm -hmm. Like Godzilla throwing Baragon is the main highlight, but their dynamic is very good. Uh, she she also got like uh she got her little arc though too. she did yes because because like she basically starts out like you know she is basically producing these fake documentaries at the quote unquote cost of these villages with spiritual backgrounds or like you know um yeah. some religious backgrounds but and she's then very ultimate- eager to do it like she's yeah. like hey like you know, there's there's a town in America that's famous for witches, and it's a big tourist destination. So everybody, like, she's very much in on what they're doing. Right. Whereas, like, over the course of the movie, and she gets involved in figuring out about these guardian monsters and kind of seeing the, the toll that these monsters take, mm-hmm. she slowly becomes what any true Godzilla protagonist needs to be. Yeah. A journalist. So she, and- she decides to be like, well, why are we making, like, she's kind of like, these fake documentaries mean nothing. We need to show people the truth. Well, ultimately, like, her big speech at the end is, like, she's going to use her powers of, like, the video and, like, you know, the news to show the events as they were and, like, to educate the people and show them, like, let's not forget that this happened. Yeah. Uh, and then it gets into uh, Tomorrowland territory in which uh, – and by that I mean – it's a thing that if you just watch that scene of the movie, it tricks you to that you watched a much better movie than you did. <laughs> well, because it's, no, so, because like as when, soon as when that makes... happened, and they and you bring and you think about the ideas that the movie is doing, it almost tricks you for a second to be like, oh, maybe is this movie great? <laughs> and then you're like, oh wait, no, 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 it was because just also like, that's a good idea. Like, <laughs> she literally makes a speech at the end of the movie, where she's like, we're gonna show it to you until I'm dead, or like, like, like no matter what happens, right? Yeah. And then he, she immediately like gets attacked and like does not film for the rest of the movie. <laughs> but uh, it, it was one of those moments where it does kind of trick you to think that you yeah. have been watching because a much that's more a good speech, rich a good movie. Speech. 
and and the idea is good. Like the idea yeah. of what it's going for is is decent. But um, most of her arc is is going to the different guardian monsters or like trying to figure out what's going on. Uh, you know, who I thought was the best tone wise for humor in the movie was the um her boss. Oh yeah, the, the guy with the long hair. Yeah, I thought that was like the perfect type of comic relief because it was just kind of like this silly. It was like the right amount of like goofiness. Like he, because I also, he was kind of silly, but he wasn't like over the top. Right. And he just had like was, a couple good It was good very jokes. much in that classic Godzilla realm, just like kind of a goofy side. That's character. true. Yeah. It was that he eventually, because like, his, his whole thing is like, he's like, you know, again, the same thing he kind of has an arc where he's just like, well, what, we, we have a, we have a boss, we have a budget. Um, and well, like, there's that one awesome moment where he's like watching like the interview with them and he's like, Godzilla, this is so stupid. What? Why? Why? Like you, you don't want to waste your time with this. Like you know, it's like we talked to this guy. It doesn't matter. But you know, like, but you can see he's still like locked into what's going on. He's like, so yeah, I guess you can just keep on yeah. doing this. <laughs> I just thought like he was like a funny. And character. then eventually she convinces him to be like, we're gonna go live, and she's gonna follow Godzilla. I love characters like that because somebody's like, oh, from our. Uh, under uh, from the underground di- i forget the word but he's like the, dingy like from the per- dingy basement of like the broadcast airwaves <laughs> and then he's like and then it cuts to him he's like dingy basement <laughs> i do think we need to talk about this old man guy too because i mean this is like a very oh god important um, element of the movie so there's an old mystical man very who, similar in theory to the, who, the, the old man that's staring at the kids in, in Hedora again. It's How do you hire, cast somebody to basically be like, all right, so what your job is is to basically just say what the movie is about. <laughs> you're, you're the exposition guy. You're the thematic exposition, bro. And basically he's just this weird old man who basically puts – of course he can't – well, no, actually I was going to say you can't say exactly what's going to happen, but he's pretty upfront about everything that's going yeah. on. Like he's basically – he's in this interview and he's like, all right, so this is what's going on. You guys did kill Godzilla and you can kill Godzilla again, but it's going to be really hard because he's basically a zombie that's filled by a bunch of Japanese ghosts. And uh, there's going to – These other monsters are going to help, yeah, but it's still going to be hard. Yeah, and uh, so, uh, yeah, you're going to have to do something about that. Well, because basically this is this is the old man in this movie, this old man character. He first appears like when, you know, uh, the girl Yurith, his name is Yuri. Yeah, yeah, I actually know her name, this one. Um, she first sees him kind of hiding off in the woods, like staring at her in the woods when she's first like doing, like she's doing her Salem speech. When she's first like before, she's a really a journalist. And then, you know, she like tracks him down and like interviews him because like now she's obsessed with these these other monsters and like the the ideas and like they found a book with all these guardian monster ideas in it then yes the guy gives his dump exposition thematics of like like basically lays out the rest of the movie like hey Godzilla's back he's basically invincible he's filled with these souls of japanese you know angry japanese souls you you know these other guardian monsters are there to help but ultimately it's going to be you right then we all then the next is that we cut to him basically in Ghidorah's lair like where the thing about Ghidorah is cuz Ghidorah is fully grown at 3000 years old but he's only been sleeping for a thousand so he's not he if they awake him now, he won't be as full capacity, yeah. but basically, like, they have to. Well, the idea is that he's also going to have, like, multiple heads, and, like, he's, like, a dragon that's yeah. going to have, like, eight or ten heads, but because, like, he's not fully grown, he only has three, and right. that, that's also, like, an element Yeah, so the, the old man is just standing in this lair. He's basically like, Ghidorah, wake up, Ghidorah. Like, essentially— So what you're saying is that this is a pointless character. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but then we got to get to this character's end. Oh, yeah. Because— and No, but I have to say, like— 
in retrospect, this is a pointless character. Like, it's a character that gets there and I get it, it gets the idea of like, oh, it's like an old soul that something somebody has to give the information right. of what's going on. The so cra- I get it it from has that. to be the crazy old man that everybody thinks is crazy. Right. But but then he's like in he's like teleporting all over the place. He's in the Ghidorah lair and then you think he gets killed. And then at the end of the movie, they're like, All right, well we gotta get that guy in for, for, for an another, interview. Another interview, yeah. And then they're like, oh, well... Oh, no, because they said they thought he was, like, some sort of professor yes. who just went crazy. Yeah. And then at the end of the movie, there's, like, some information given that, like, oh, that professor died, like, years ago. He No, no, the thing is, is that he, he died years ago, like, in the original Godzilla attacks. And when we look at the tape... He's not there he's anymore. He's not there anymore. We're, just, we're talking to nobody. Right. And the guy's like, what? And so now, it, like, that's the implication that, you know, because before, there's really no implication that, like, what he's saying is true in terms of the angry souls. It could be just a metaphor he is. But the fact that he is, like, a weird ghost thing that can just disappear from See, tapes. But this, but I found this to be the problem, though, is, like, because the thing is, like, the movie, I don't think, makes any like, bones about, like, I mean, this is what it is. It's, like, this is all spiritual. And I think maybe it would have gone a long way if the movie played with your expectations of whether this was spiritual or not. Because you know how we talked about in King of the Monsters, like, Mothra is clearly, like, a spiritual character, but they kind of play with that a little bit, Mm -hmm. where they don't overtly say, like, it's magic, even though it's kind of there. Yeah. Whereas, like, this one is like, oh, yeah, it's all magical stuff. Like, you know, Godzilla has wide eyes, Baragon is, like, you know, being destroyed into, like, pixie dust, and so it's like... If the movie had played with your expectations, like you could have had a little bit more fun with like, oh, like this guy, like and then he disappeared and you can't find it. So ultimately I found all that stuff to kind of be like, okay, fine, whatever. Also, you were talking a little bit earlier about the um rewriting some of the movie stuff and um or just like uh, like un like tap potential of the movie. How on earth do you have a movie that's all about rewriting history? And like how we remember history wrong, but you do nothing with Ghidorah, who's usually portrayed as a villain, now being portrayed as a hero. Mm-hmm. Like that's so. Like I don't mind if you want to make him the hero in this one. In fact, it would make sense because the whole thing is about how this retroactively remembering how things used to be, and like the whole legend of things, and what's a legend and what's like actually real. And I just thought like you could have done like a cool thing with that idea is like oh like we know Ghidorah as like a villain but now he's a hero and I I just thought like that's one of those things where it's like dude this is what your movie's about and you don't do it but it it does come off in in that Raimi Spider-Man 3 territory of like the director is working with like a monster or like an element that he doesn't necessarily want so Mm. there's not because that's what it felt like because there is enough I don't want to like throw Kaneko under the bus completely he does the work just fine and he yeah. does what he needs to but you can tell that there's not there's serviceable uh attention put into what to do with Mothra and Ghidorah but there there's no passion behind Th- that it. that is 100% the truth that that's how it feels one, like to one me. one more thing about the old man though mm-hmm. you're completely right in that he's a useless character in that also again in, our, in my rewriting head the movie would have been more interesting if it would have just been all in on this like kind of budding reporter going all in on finding this information. Mm-hmm. If the old man's not there to be used as kind of an exposition thematic crush, crutch, and then she's going to go, you know, Ghidorah's lair and then trying to figure out maybe how to awake him early. Yeah. Or if she's like going in on like, well, here's my research on these monsters and 
oh, like kind of this, you know, the kind of other legends about kind of the spirits and stuff like that. Because I found that the times the movie did do that were actually quite good. Yeah. Where it was like, and I then, just feel like yeah. you you even strengthen her arc, which is actually already probably one of the better parts of the movie. I agree. Yeah. But it's also like, again, and I think it all just leads up where even that arc of the end of the movie, that her arc and the father's arc and everything like that, it does kind of get thrown away in this kind of last little action bit because, again, she has a big speech about, like, well, we're going to show you everything no matter what and, you know, we're not going to forget this. And then immediately, like, Godzilla attacks a bridge and she falls and, like, so that kind of just ends. Mm-hmm. And because she's incapacitated, she's on, on rocks and she might be killed by Godzilla. Meanwhile, they're like, well... You know, the military's like, well, now Godzilla has been weakened by this, like, reawakened Ghidorah, so we gotta, like, do something, and then the father's gonna sacrifice himself, and, like, you know, he puts his submarine into Godzilla's mouth and goes into, like, basically goes, like, inner space with him. Yeah. <laughs> I did like that scene when yeah. he's in the belly, and then the he sees the vision of his daughter yeah. and, like, the thing. I, I thought that but was it's just pretty like, good filmmaking. But just at the end, it just feels like even all that kind of momentum that it had with the kind of those arcs, it's just kind of like... Well, we have to defeat him now, so that kind of not completely disappears, but kind of smooths away a little bit. It also is like weird, like also in a movie where I guess this is her arc where she's like a non-believer and that she's like the youth who doesn't remember anything. Mm-hmm. But also like he kind of gets this whole like he has to face his demons and I get that you want a character that does remember the events. Yeah. And you want that represented, but it almost felt like, well... Wouldn't it make more sense to have him be a character who has to, like, confront the idea that he may have forgotten about all this stuff and been dismissive? It seemed like that's where his character – because ultimately it's like, well, I guess he's just confunding this demon of Godzilla – and it's fine, like you know, I, just, it like, makes again, sense, but I, I'm not emotionally satisfied or connected yeah. with it yeah. as much because then he does the whole like, no, we give respect to the monsters and to the people before us. But I never felt like he was the one who struggled right, with yeah. that that much. In fact, like I would argue that nobody really like seemed to really have that conflict mm. and it was just more so the idea of the, the, right. the broad well, idea it, of it. anybody who had that broad idea were like immediately killed right and there was no one really there to like because again all those all the characters that do have that ele- element of it are characters that are introduced in a second gone the next yeah and there would have behooved the movie to have a character that does kind of go through that full arc. Like, if you want to streamline this movie, have him be the general who knows about all this stuff. And the da- and he knows about that the government concealed this secret and basically retroactively rewrote history. Like, Japan's history with Godzilla. And maybe he's the one who tells her, the daughter, about this. Yeah. And this is, like, maybe something that's been eating away at him is that he knows that Japan has been, like, you know, very yeah. de- duplicitous about you, this. you can still have that moment, like, from when he was a kid mm-hmm. that, like, you know, he confronts it, but then he's kind of repressed that. Yeah. This, so, this it, is a more interesting <laughs> movie. No, and again, I, I hate to be in the rewriting the movie phase, yeah. but I'm just saying, but these are streamlined versions right. that would get across the point yeah, um, a little bit more. I um, do think, though, that the father has a classic look. Oh, yeah. No. I mean, I think he's great. I think that they chose two good leads uh, for it. But again, and I found myself digging a lot of that human stuff, whereas outside of maybe the Baragon stuff, like the monster stuff didn't really impact me as much. And then, of course, like because it's a it's a millennium era 
Godzilla movie, we have to end on a tease that Godzilla's not really dead, even though we're never going to follow up on it. This is also like the most overt Godzilla is supernatural because he's literally disintegrated and his heart is still beating at the at the bottom of Mm -hmm. the ocean. Um, A few a few uh, things that I did want to point out before we move on to the uh, aftermath. Uh, this movie does get a jab at the 1998 American oh, Godzilla yes, film. Yes, yes, yeah. I, 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 I almost forgot to mention this. Yes, uh, at the beginning of the movie, right wanna, up front. You want to, you want to tell it? So basically, uh, they all they're in basically a, a debriefing room and they're talking about possible monster attacks. Yeah. And uh, one of the such reported monster attacks uh, may have been one in America. And then, to, to which uh, one of the soldiers says like. Oh, I heard that like, you know, that there was an attack on New York and then they're like, "Well, the Americans think that it was Godzilla, but it's very unlikely." <laughs> so there so there was that that was funny. Um there's also a, a brief shot that references the the fairies. Yes, yeah. So those are uh two twin girls who have uh, been in the Gamera series in a Kaneko's Gamera okay. series. Um, but they basically like like it's like right directly after Mothra appears. Yeah, like it, it's just, just like a, a hint, an homage. Just to, like in King of the Monsters, essentially. Yeah. Um, but uh, let's see. Uh, oh, uh, so at one point uh, there is a suicidal man who comes across uh, the remains of uh, Ghidorah. Oh yeah. Um, you uh, you could the actor is Yukijiro Hotaru, and uh, he's actually more of a running gag cameo because he has been in the Gamera movies, and he's always a character that comes across a monster. Uh, so that's kind of like a, a little. That fun also thing. kind of felt a little. This that I don't know. <laughs> it was weird. It, it, it was a weird moment. It was definitely weird. Um, and uh, one of the actually biggest fun facts: the suicide about- aspect, not the like the, <laughs> the cameo aspect. The cameo aspect is fine. Just him committing suicide, and then like. I get it. It, it, just, I get it. it just fell off. Uh, uh, Baragon marks the first uh, female suit performer in a Godzilla film. Yes. Uh, uh, so I did know about this because of the suit performer Rie Ota or Rie Ota. Um, I, I did know about th- I didn't know the context when I saw the original video, but yeah. there's a great video on Twitter. One of the there. best behind the scenes videos of a Godzilla film. In that she would she would do her little roar every time that she had to like do her thing. So like if you look at the behind the scenes videos, it's like Baragon on stage roaring, but it's this very cute like yeah, <laughs> it's, it's 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 pretty amazing. It's a very nice video. But uh, she's actually not the first female pursuit former overall uh, in uh, kaiju films because uh, Kaneko actually uh, featured uh, another female suit performer in the uh, Gamera in his first Gamera movie for the uh, villain Gauss, which is like a giant pterodactyl thing. Um, and uh, I cannot confirm this anywhere. I'm still trying to confirm this, but this is the first noticeable time that I remember somebody saying "fuck" in a Godzilla film. I can't think of another time where that happens. I know that in in dubs they had to not use that. Yeah. But that was this was the first time I'm like, oh, there we go. Yeah. I can't think of another one. Yeah, you're right. Um. Uh, so let's before as we lead into the aftermath and the post release, like. Yeah, this was a conflicting. This was yeah. a conflicted one for me because I ultimately there's a lot of stuff where it just I get what it's saying. So don't get me wrong, I understand what it's saying. It's definitely swinging for the fences, and I, ultimately I would say conceptual wise and conceit wise, everything on paper, I think are good ideas. I think it's a movie that's filled with good direction and good ideas. But I ultimately think that there is just way too many compromising details in which that that message either gets muddied or doesn't quite land. And I think that some of that is inherent to the source material. But I honestly would say it's 
some of Kaneko's direction mm-hmm. direction in here. I think that it's one of the few times where tone was a problem for me. Um, I thought how he expressed his message is a bit of a problem, and a lot of the connective tissue to tie the narrative together um, is is a little weak th- th- this time around. And and that's and it's kind of hard to say because his Gamera movies are exceptional, like they're very good. Yeah. And so I just found myself finding a lot of times I'm like, okay, so, like some of this is cool, and it's like very, it's well directed as a movie in terms of like the special effects and things like that, and the action and things like that, and yeah. the the creativity behind it. But ultimately, uh, for me, this is a swing that missed. Yeah, it's on the More. lower. It's it's on the lower end of my list. It, it's one of those things where, really, it just kind of comes down to it's just it's not a movie for me. Mm-hmm. It's just like, and it sometimes that just happens. As much as you want to, you know, go in and give all the movies the opportunity to, to to show you something, at the end of the day, sort of that kind of meanness that doesn't really get the darkness well, the kind of lack of great monster fights other than that i i do think that 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 first that or the not first because it's the only because baragon dies um there are some great moves in that baragon fight like when godzilla throws yeah, him or, or, or godzilla stomping on his face um but it's also not incredibly a standout fight um other than kind of it is the one time you feel for a monster in this movie mm-hmm. uh and some of the human stuff kind of works but ultimately it's just a movie that's just not for me yeah uh that that's acceptable i think some of the details i, I i'm a little bit more favorable for it it just kind of falls in it, it just doesn't quite come together yeah. enough for me so as we get into the post-release of this movie um gmk uh actually opened up to much more favorable uh box office and critical reception um a lot of people do like uh you know some of the more the different direction that it took which is what happens and this actually made uh double the amount that Megagirus made so much more favorable box office wise um as i said before fans um have been mixed uh have been divided some really liking the um some really liking uh just the new direction and everything that uh, Kaneko does and some people actually took our side of it of like you know saying that some of it may may feel a little bit too it's almost too dark and it's a little bit unwarrantedly dark it doesn't quite land some people obviously get caught up in like yeah. the nerdy minutia of it like right. that they don't like that Ghidorah is like a good yeah. guy in it which but, is just like yeah yeah I, I mean, mean that's not like even though it does feel weird it does feel it does wrong feel. yeah uh but at the end of the day though Getting studioed probably made them a little bit more money. Oh, it definitely paid off. And I mean, like that's sometimes and, how it works. And it is considered for all these chances. I would say that the legacy of it is favorable amongst, like you know, the the, the well initiated. Yeah. Um. So and so that's kind of like where it stands, and that's why it was like very interesting to get into this movie because it is a movie that people consider like this is like you know uh, them really going for something and trying to like not just make it a cl- like a generic uh, monster movie which i'm like oh, okay fine whatever um one uh, fun fact i did want to say though is that uh Kanego has commented um on the the similarities between his movie and this year's king of the monsters movie which there are various elements in him especially other than the big thematic elements of equating, like, you know, the monsters to gods and stuff. But there are actually specific things, like, he pointed out that, like, well, wait a minute. Also, in my movie, we introduce Ghidorah frozen in ice. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. there's things like that. There's things like Mothra is um, 
Mothra is, uh, you know, sacrifices herself and then powers up uh, Ghidorah. So there's all that kind of stuff that he's like, oh, like that's interesting that they did out of that. And he actually made that comment that he felt that there were some reminiscent elements from the 2014 film. Uh, he, uh, the Mutos in those movies were very reminiscent of the villain plotline of the Gauss in the, the Gamera film, which once I read that, I'm like, oh yeah, kind of like you haven't seen the film, but it, it is similar. So it is funny. He was a little bit open. He's like, it is what it is, but there's definitely yeah. some elements of my, which I mean, to be fair, it is because like, I remember when I saw King of the Monsters, I was like, oh yeah, that's like Mothra and GMK who, when they did exactly that. Yeah. Um, oh, this is interesting. Yeah. But at the end of the day, um, this this remains uh, one of one of the more unique Godzilla films, and you know, no matter what we say, you can't say that it doesn't make its choices, it doesn't stick by them, and it does stand out as one of the more unique entries into the yeah. Godzilla films. Yeah, and take a shot. While that doesn't give it a pass to me, it definitely does lead into why I think I love this franchise so much, is because mm-hmm. you have. Editions uh, like this, where yeah. you know you can and feel like, a little bit conflicted. And like about I said, it. like just to wrap that up, it's just again the most impressive thing about the Godzilla franchise as a whole is how many different directions you can take. It. Yeah, again, it's it was more exaggerated in that sense in the Showa era, where you really did play with genre a lot more. But even into the Hasty in into this Millennium era, I mean, Godzilla two thousand, Megaguirus, and this are all very different in the way that yes. they present themselves. And it's just like it's just a testament to kind of how much just the base idea of a giant atomic breath monster attacking Japan or, you know, involved with Japanese things, mm-hmm. uh, can how far that can take you. Yeah. We, who's, we got, who's Harrison Ford in the movie? I feel like he's a big fan of, like, the fake documentaries that that, that, that company is making. Right, right. I feel like he's, like, kind of, like, like an American kind of film guy who imports these. He's kind of oh, like he's a, a he's an American distributor of these. Like, it's like uh, a guilty yeah. pleasure for him. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Like he's very much like into like just kind of the weirdness of them. Like you know, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I'll take that one. I'll I'll, I'll accept that yeah. one. Um, so anyway, um, Nick, you had said that this may not be a movie for you, mm-hmm. but as we move forward. I think you'll be happy because <laughs> Toho went a different direction with this one, but I think they're about to go in a direction. They heard you, Nick, all the way back in 2001. They heard that we got to give something for Nick, something that's a little bit more for him. You know, one for us, one for Nick. And, Nick, I think you are about to get in our next film in the Godzilla franchise, in the Millennium Era, one of your favorites, the metal titan himself as Godzilla goes against the return of a newly reinvented Mecha Godzilla in the film Godzilla against Mecha Godzilla. I'm just I'm just saying this now. I know we're gonna have the episode about this, but I just love how those Mecha Godzilla movies are named. It's just so funny. Yeah, because we've had that Mecha Godzilla versus Mecha Godzilla Godzilla or Terror and then Terror of Mecha Godzilla, yes. then Godzilla versus Mecha Godzilla two. And now Godzilla against Mechagodzilla. Because you can't use versus again. You no. Just, you have to go against. Um, so uh, hopefully that will clean the palette a little bit and give you something that you're looking forward yeah. to. So, um, but that that is uh, that's it for the Godzilla of this uh, yeah. this month. So and, uh, hopefully uh, you guys enjoyed our dissection of. Um, but next time is this not film. a Godzilla episode. Yeah, when we talk about a movie, it is back. 
to the Bond. And James again, Bond. we are out of Bond movies, so we're going Bond adjacent. And again, lots of plans for the future. But our first one, uh, we enjoyed Sean Connery so much in Never Say Never Again that we're going to continue on the Connery train. We're going to go back to, again, Connery's first major Hollywood role uh, and a movie that is celebrating 60 this year. A Disney movie. Um, very excited to see what you think about it. Uh, I'm just going to go. There's going to be Sean Connery. There's going to be Leprechauns. Oh. There's going to be great special effects. Oh. And I think it's going to be a great discussion. All We're right. We're going to go with 1959's Darby O'Gill and the Little People. It's uh, it, it's always good to see the origin of the actor. What What about that movie made them say the original that's our bond. And that's something we'll talk about. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, until then, uh, I am done. We're done. You're done. Uh, plug. Plug it. Hey, bondzillapod at gmail.com. That's an email address you can use to contact us. Uh, you can also contact us on Twitter. Uh, Twitter.com slash bondzilla007. Facebook.com slash bondzilla007. You can... Like and subscribe on iTunes and SoundCloud. Lots of things coming up. We just had our, you know, last Bond deep dive. Mm -hmm. We have another Godzilla deep dive this year month. I'll be interested to see what that is. And then probably we're recording this a little bit early, but either around around this episode we may have some post uh, Comic Con news. Yes. Again, a little spoiler behind that. We we have not yet been. (laughs) We were recording this a little bit early, but we'll we'll have some uh, updates on that. It's been a good time, and maybe. By the time we come back, we will have pitched our Jet Jaguar movie to Toho. Who knows? One can only hope. Well, Nick, uh, until next time, I'm Will, you're Nick, and this movie has a very long title. (laughs) I'm going to try to do the intro now, and uh, we'll see how it goes. (laughs) All right. Take care, everybody.